Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Dave Juskow Podcast on this Memorial Day weekend, 2015. And listen, I just want to remind you of the magic of Cheap Trick. Come on. Kid stuff. The magic of Robin Zander and Rick Nielsen. I played that clip for no reason today. Who doesn't like the moan to start off a show? Listen, Rat, we're going to find you a woman. Remember... Always order for the lady. It's a classy move. The lady will have a Coke with no ice. <laughs> I don't know what he says. Exactly. But I know it's a Coke with no ice. And a linguine with clam sauce. Hey, Debbie. Isn't this great? Remember, wherever you are is the place to be. Hey, isn't this great? It's actually not a bad thing because uh, the fact of the matter is, you know, when you're with a girl, and I know girls, you want to make it pretend like where you are is the place to be. It's outstanding advice on how to get a lady. Listen, isn't this great? I think I did that on Friday night. Because I'll tell you something. I went out Friday night. I went to the restaurant across the street from my house, which I go to quite often. And, uh... Fixing my headphones. And everyone at the restaurant was sick. In fact, I'm not sure why they're not shut down. I mean, I love these people, but I mean, you know, like they... Now, I can't get out of the demon. I'm just doing it. I can't help myself. But they're, they're French, right? So I finally figured out how to greet people in the European style. Which means, you know, you kiss them on either side of the cheek. You know, I had problems with that for a long time. Then I realized, I'm like, oh, all right, let's just get into it. So today I go in. I haven't been there in a while. And I go to kiss them all on the cheek the proper way. And they're like, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? What are you doing, freak? I look like an idiot in front of my girl. You know what I'm saying? That's not right. They were all sick. They're like, oh, don't touch us. And I'm like, don't touch me. You're going to be serving the meal. This girl comes up. Comes to our table, hey, how you doing? She's licking her fingers. I don't know what she's doing. And I think I caught something. I don't know. I, like, I didn't catch a cold. But I have aches and pains the next day. It could have just been from day drinking and I didn't get my nap after brunch. I think it affected my entire day. I don't know why. It affected two days. Because I didn't think of my nap. <laughs> Everybody knows how crank I am if I don't have my nap. That's how I like to do brunch. I don't particularly care for day drinking. Because um, unless, you know, we're at a tailgate, which I've, I've alluded, alluded many times on this show, how I love a 15-hour drinking day. But it's got to be 
you know, in certain circumstances, the way that I want to. Nobody knows your rules, Larry. But Sunday for brunch, I like to go out for brunch whenever, eat the brunch, drink a couple of mimosas, then go home, watch the Mets game, fall asleep to the air conditioning. I mean, that is a Sunday during this time of the year. Am I right, people? Because I don't do brunch during football season. Brunch, then I do, you know, I go out at 11.30 in the morning and I make sure I'm back by 1 so I can watch, uh, you know, the Red Zone channel. That's how we do it. And uh, I don't know whether you heard about this. The NFL today, today, uh-oh, what is this? Is it breaking news? That's right. Breaking news. Big deal. Everybody knows. It's not real breaking. I mean, it's kind of breaking, if you haven't heard. The NFL has decided... Uh, I don't know if, you know, if some of you know. I mean, you know I love talking about sports, so obviously some of you listen. But, you know, this show, I try to talk about sports in a way that people that don't care about sports might enjoy it. And everything I do, even if I'm talking about TV, I try and do it in the most enjoyable way. And I guess some people get it and some people don't. But um, they, today they decided that when, when you get a touchdown in football you then score an extra point. It's kind of stupid. I'm not sure what the reasoning is. I don't know who invented it. But it's 99 point something percent that you're going to get that extra point. It's very rare that an extra point gets blocked. And apparently the extra point is taken from the two-yard line, which is why it should be if you're a professional NFL kicker, unlike what I did at the Meadowlands last week where you can see the video of me completely being an idiot (laughs) Um, it should be a a no-brainer and you should instantly have an extra point and have seven complete they are now this season I assume it's starting this season moving it back to the 15-yard line which means it'll be about a 30 to 33-yard field goal so then it is not a given and it could be easy to win uh, to get an extra point and now you can run it back and get two points for running it back because before, if you missed it, you couldn't run it back, which didn't make any sense. If you run it back, if you can actually run it back 100 yards, shouldn't you get something? You should get like four points. But now they're saying you can get two points for running it back. I mean, really, shouldn't you get seven points or six points? I mean, if you run it all the way back, well, whatever the case may be, you only get, now you get two points because they want to encourage people to go for two, and I like that plan. However, as a gambling man, this is a disaster. And forget it for Super Bowl pools next year. It's going to be all over the place. You know, when you score a touchdown and then you're like, what? Well, now I guess it's a guaranteed. Now those sevens and the overs and the spreads, what a disaster this could be. A disaster for folks like us. And folks, you know who I'm talking about, fellas. As gambling folk. This could be a disaster. Or it could work perfectly for us. Who knows? I guess I like it. I mean, it, you know, fuck that extra point. It's stupid. But that's the plan. Also, the San Diego Chargers and the Oakland Raiders have now looked at land in Los Angeles. Looks like a team is coming to Los Angeles. But who cares? I don't. I don't care for Los Angeles. Thank you. 
Now, let's, uh, let me just tell you what's happening today. I'm by myself again. Now, normally, I would never be by myself two weeks in a row. I don't like it. I don't like... Listen, I listen to the podcast when I walk around. You know, I like to listen to the whole hour, make sure everything's cool. Maybe I've got to... I'm like, uh-oh, I can't believe I left that in. That rarely happens. Actually, it's never happened. Maybe it's happened once. But... No, like I said, uh, you know, I don't, and I don't think the audience cares for it either. It's nice to have company, and it's nice to have other people. But here's what happened this week. It's Memorial Day, right? Now, normally, I probably wouldn't even do a show, but I'm so diligent about it, and I like doing it, and I enjoy it so much that I wanted to put a show together. But I'm going away this Memorial Day, and that's something I never do. I never travel. And I'm going to Orlando to see my niece dance at some Disney World thing. She's the worst dancer, the worst. But I'm going to go because, you know, it's Disney. I got some friends down in Orlando. It'll be fun. And then I'm going to Atlanta to, you know, meet with the, the Cartoon Network people. For whatever the difference is, whatever the case may be, I'm going to Atlanta. Now, when I was trying to figure out my trip, I'm like, should I fly, make a multi-trip? But I was like, no, you know what? I'm going to be in Orlando. This is the way I thought of it. I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm going to be in Orlando. I'll stop and see the uh, the, the CNN people. You know, I got, to, I got something I got to do down there. And I'll tell you about it later. Because in my head, and I'm older, I should know better, but I, I know nothing about geography. And I don't know if you remember, you heard my, my uh, the podcast a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about how... And I guess some people talk this as prejudice, but I, like I'm saying, it is an observation. When I was down in Atlanta, I've only been there one before, once before. You know, I, I couldn't believe there were all these black people, African-Americans. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everybody. Jesus. You know, at this restaurant, and I thought it was a special occasion because up here where in New York where we think we're diverse in Los Angeles where we think we're we're diverse there's no there's not a, I mean there's prejudice but you know what I'm saying we're cool with everything we don't have as much diversity as we think we do at a restaurant you might see one or two black folk or whatever if it's not you know uh, in a certain location and down there it's really mixed. It's 50-50. And all I'm saying is it's noticeable when you're not from there. And if you go up to Boston, it's even worse. <laughs> you got nobody. There's not even any Spanish people at any place you go, a bar, a restaurant. Whatever. I'm just saying, okay? I'm just saying. I suppose you can take this anyway, but I'm not, I'm not trying to be... It is an observation. And I... Um, and so what I'm saying is I'm so naive about Atlanta that I thought, well, I'll just drive from Orlando. Well, it's six hours away. I thought it was an hour and a half away. Maybe two hours. It's down south. I thought they were all together. It's six hours. That's a nightmare. Now I got to drive it. But the reason I got to drive is because I Jewed it up. I got Jewy. I saw a rental car for $9 if I drive it back from Orlando. $9 a day. They got me. Oh, they must have seen me coming. $9 a day. How can that be? And with the AAA, I put, it was $8.50. $8.50 to rent a car. You know, the catch is, you got to drive it 15 hours to, to New Jersey. Ugh. So, needless to say, I'm panicked. I haven't taken a drive like that, oh, 
ever. Now, last Memorial Day, ironically, myself and Rachel Feinstein, I was looking for some footage, which I have, but uh, it was so horrible I couldn't play it. Uh, Rachel Feinstein and I, I opened for Rachel Feinstein in Syracuse, New York. We'd been planning it for years. And it happened last Memorial Day weekend. And again, it's so weird. Now I'm like, that's what I do. I travel Memorial Day weekend. Everybody knows that. Hey, listen, I like to travel Memorial Day weekend. That's what I do. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I can't help myself. That is what I do. So, yeah, last weekend I took a five-hour trip to Syracuse, and I hadn't done that in years. I mean, I went uh, to Ithaca College, so the trip was about four hours and that was usually the longest I would go or go to Boston. It was no big deal. And I could totally do it in, you know, one, I do it at three in the morning. I do it whenever, you know, I'm going to just do it back and forth because, you know, you're younger, you can handle it. Now I'm, I don't, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. First of all, six hours? That's the first leg. Then I got to go in number thir- another 13. I said I have to go in number 13. If you're, uh, if you're, if you pee and that's one, and you make a duty and that's number two. What's number 13? <laughs> I don't want to know. <laughs> I have to do a number 13, everybody. But um, I'm nervous. So I'm, I'm, I'm up, so I, I didn't plan ahead. What happened also on Friday night, I came home or maybe Saturday. No, it was Friday night. I said, you know, and I don't plan for the podcast. Usually I wait till Monday. And Friday night, I put a, a, a message out to Frank Santa Padre because I said, let's do the odd couple thing this week, maybe, because we keep toying around. But unfortunately, his father passed away. And I love Frank so much, and I've known him for such a long time. And, uh, you know, I text him. He hasn't texted me back. And I don't want to bug him, you know, with odd couple nonsense. Um, you know, so... I tried to make a festive one because uh, the, the point being of all of this is that I wanted something festive to listen to on the car ride home. I wanted to do like a, a you know, a marathon two, three hour show with Frank and, um, you know, my boy Lenny Marcus and, and talk about the odd couple and just talk for hours and, and then maybe even do another show. But uh, so I'd have something to listen to on the right on the way home. Is it selfish to want to listen to myself? Maybe. I mean, I have to listen to it once. I usually just listen to it once. I don't go crazy. Um, but I wanted to listen to a fun, festive show. And then I couldn't think of anybody that wouldn't annoy me. You know what I'm saying? On the ride home, like all my guests who I love, I was just like, this is going to annoy me. They're going to annoy me. They're going to say something that's going to annoy me. And I can't be in, you know, because there's always something they do, which is all my fault because, it's, you know, I'm, Leading. They're not professionals besides, you know, the, the comedians that I would have. Um, and I get annoyed so easily. I can't have that on the ride home. Now I'm going to be listening to this. I'm going to be like, why did I say that? Why did I do that thing about Atlanta again? What's the matter with me? And they're going to be upset about this. Uh, people are going to be upset about this again. I don't think they're understanding where I'm coming from. Whatever the case may be, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to wait. I'm going to listen to this on... It's difficult to listen because i got to listen if I've done anything wrong, but I'm going to try and wait until Tuesday when I'm driving. Like a treat. Basically just listening to myself talk. What an idiot. Because it's not, it's not really entertaining for me to listen to myself. Well, who am I kidding? Of course it is. <laughs> hey, I mean, listen. I should have just done the whole show as the mom. And that would have been entertaining. 
And then it would be, you know, 20 minutes into it. I'm like, what am I, what have I done? I'm going to pull over and edit it. Hmm. But I'm like making plans to see everybody on the way. Meanwhile, I got to get home by Wednesday. But I probably won't do a podcast next week. So then I do two podcasts by myself. And then I leave you blank for the next week. That's not cool. And then the week after that, what are we doing? We're doing the Tonys. We're doing the Tonys. Eesh, what a mess. We'll get it together back in September. You'll see. But I just keep it going. I don't care. I don't know what's happening. I don't know if people even care. I mean, listen, I've heard from the loyal listeners. They, they really like the show. And I cannot tell you how happy it makes me, everybody. I, 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 I cannot tell you how happy it makes me. I mean, it really, really does when people enjoy the show. Because then, you know, it's like, I mean, I'm sitting here by myself in my house doing it, but I still like doing it. I still feel like it's an old-fashioned radio show, like the picture I put up from the Nightfly, um, you know, like the late-night guy. But I like doing it. I'm doing it in the daytime. I usually start around 7 o'clock, and I can see it's nice, nice outside and stuff, although this weather has been horrible, and I think that's why I caught something, and it was achy. Everybody's got allergies. The weather keeps changing. It's cold. I, 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 I put away my jacket, and i got to bring it back. I'm looking up something on uh, online because I don't want to mess it up. I want to tell you something about my friend Steve Oakes, who I've known for very many years. I tweeted about it. He wrote a book called Midmen, The Modern Man's Guide to Surviving Midlife Crisis. Now, Steve Oakes and I have been friends since the 80s, and I love him dearly. I really, really do. He helped me out a lot when I was in... A young upstart comic. And he's still a delight. And uh, I've known his wife for a very long time. And, and they're very kind to me when I go to Los Angeles. They might be the only people I enjoy besides Sarah out there. And I really do like them. So I just wanted to tell you about the book. And the important thing about the book is if you purchase it, I believe, and I, I, I'm sure I don't have this uh, correct, but for right now, I think they're giving some of the proceeds to Nepal I, do I have that right I think um, you know to make sure that the money goes to some of those uh, earthquake victims I, I, do, do I have it right do I have it wrong earthquake is it it wasn't earthquake right on you know um, the, the mountain that everybody likes to climb oh, such a disaster my headphones keep going in and out and Selena is not on because I put them on a different way today I put them through the board today and not through this little box that I have. It doesn't matter. Anyway, he's trying to help, which is really nice because he does uh, go to these places and care. Steve Oaks, Midmen, The Modern Man's Guide to Surviving Midlife Crisis. Now, let me tell you something about this. I saw him do it as a play first last time I was out in L.A. And I, although the, the play was entertaining and it was fun, I don't, this book is not for me. And I've been, I, I've been maybe... You know, tell him because I, I'm not ready to deal with midlife yet. So that's it's not his fault. It's me, and it's my problem, and I don't want to admit it. And um, you know, but he's really funny, and his play was really funny. He's a funny guy, and he writes well. And you know, if you're ready, <laughs> then the book is outstanding, and the uh, a lot of the money the proceeds go to a very very good cause. So I did want to say that, but I have to be honest about it as well. 
I'm not ready to admit I'm in midlife and am I having a crisis? You're damn right I am. But I've been having a midlife crisis since I was 22. I've been an old man since I was 22. When I was complaining about day drinking before, it's not because I'm old. It's because I like to complain about everything. I've never been good with day drinking. I get headaches. I get cranky. I've just never been good with it. I've tried very hard to like, all right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go day drinking. I'm going to take a nap. And then I'm going to go night drinking. I can't do I've never been able to do it. And I'm a pretty good drinker. You know, I'm good at hanging out all night and going for a long time and, and drinking a lot and going to the next place. But sometimes I'm not. And a lot of the people I know can do it nonstop. I just can't. What can I tell you? Anyway, uh, let's see what's in the news today. Uh, I just want to talk about a couple things, then we'll get to the sports. I mean, I'm just going to do the show. I'm going to get to everything. Because I'm telling you, I got a 14-hour ride. So welcome to the Marathon Podcast. And when I say marathon, it'll probably be an hour and 10 minutes. I just don't care. Now, the Boston Bomber, I don't know how to pronounce his first name, Zohar Sarniev, sentenced to death. Everybody's very happy. Uh, survivors of the Boston Marathon bombing felt relief and closure Friday as they learned the coward who attacked the finish line would be sentenced to death. Now, this guy, uh, when he was sentenced to death, he reacted by flashing a wry grin and pointing his fingers like a gunslinger, I guess, in the jury. Or, you know, to the jury. Now, that's a smart move, by the way. That's exactly what I would do. And if you're going to go for it, then go for it all. Show them no pain. You know, you might as well, you know you're going to die. You might as well go out in a blaze of glory. Now, this guy is an obvious douchebag. But they all say, now we will be able to move on. Well, you know what? I'm not so sure. You know how Batman always says, you know, if you take a life, you know, I mean, he, he, he tries not to kill anybody because it doesn't help. It doesn't help his parents' death. I know it's just Batman. But there is something to be said for it. It doesn't help his parents' death by murdering somebody else. So is it really closure, especially when, and I'm not sure if he's one of these believers, but is he one of those guys that thinks he's going to get those 72 virgins? You know what I mean? So isn't aren't we doing him a favor? Isn't this what he wanted? Isn't what these what these douchebags want from us they they the suicide bombers they want to be killed so they can see this Allah and and then get these 72 virgins first of all what sign of sick logic is that who wants virgins I'd prefer somebody a little bit more experienced I'm sorry, I'm fixing everything again. And my cat's not doing anything. So I can't blame Selena, my co-host. But, you know, this whole thing is messed up. Now, now, so aren't we doing him a favor? Wouldn't it be... I mean, I know the question is, oh, is, is it better to let him rot in jail? Or We got to come up with a third thing. 
because it's not good enough closure. And I, I don't know what to do about it. It's just not good enough. We're giving him what he wants. That's what they want. They want to die. Then he'll, he'll be with his brother. He'll be with these virgins. What an idiot. Virgins. Who wants for Maybe a, if there's 72 hot females waiting for me, I would like three or four virgins, which I think is a disaster. And, you know, a couple of different, all different kinds of women. You know, you want to try different things while you're up there. You know, in eternity. These guys are crazy in every way. Now, here's the question. What do female suicide bombers get? I was looking it up. Apparently, they, beca- they get to become the chief of the 72 virgins. The fairest of the fair. Well, isn't that a delight? <laughs> These people are idiots, all right? I'm going to put it right out there. They're idiots. Yeah. I don't know what to say. I don't know why you would want 72 versions. Virgins. I want 72 versions of girls. But at least he did get the death penalty. I suppose that's what we wanted. And if that makes everybody happy that they can move on, then I'm good with it. I really hope it does. Because, God damn it, it's terrifying. And I'll tell you something else. You know, we got to look out for what's next because they're always going to hit us with something that we haven't seen. There was a guy, an FBI is investigating a claim that a computer expert hacked a plane in flight. Uh, The computer security expert claimed that he hacked into an airliner's in-flight entertainment system and briefly made the plane fly sideways. Now, they're saying that this isn't true, but don't you think it could be at some point? I mean, I, I think this is something we have to look into. I don't think everybody should be using their laptops or their phone. I mean, is it that bad that we go six hours with it being incommunicado in the air? I never turn my stuff on. Is it, you know, I mean, is it that bad once in a while we just go incommunicado? We go off the grid that everybody has to turn their stuff off? I get terrified when people turn their stuff. You don't know who's actually turning it off or on. And you don't know how it affects the plane. And you don't know what kind of jerk-off is going to come in and, and do something like this. Because it's, it's possible, I think. I don't want to get everybody uptight. But, I mean, why not do that? That's what I would do if I was them. I'd think of a way to just take out my laptop and uh, cause some trouble. There's people that are very good at this. And now all the... All the, uh, you know, the gear is all computerized and everything. You can see pictures of it. It looks beautiful. It's totally futuristic. But I don't know. FBI better take this really serious. And they're not. And that's making me uncomfortable. And I'm only saying this because I'm driving back. <laughs> I won't be listening to this while I'm in the air. And I apologize for those of who, you, who I've uh, said that to if you happen to be listening to this while you're flying. Because that would be bad. See, I've already messed up the entire podcast, my entire trip. Now I'm upset that I said it. But I felt it had to be said. And also, I wanted to talk about Ilian Gonzalez. He's apparently making a company. Do you remember this kid? This was the kid who was found floating off the Florida coast in 1999 after the boat he was in with his mother capsized. 
His mother died on the way, trying to save him. Ended up in the United States, and there was a big tug of war between Cuba and the U.S. of which he sh- which country he should, or should he be returned to his father or stay with the relatives in Miami? Remember this? It was a mess. They have that famous picture of the guy pointing the gun and his father and him and the, or whoever that relative is in the closet. And now he's like 21, pretty good looking. He's getting married. I mean, that's completely interesting. It's like when you think about that kid, Jeffrey Mayer. If you don't know who I'm talking about, Jeffrey Mayer, I mean, boys know, was the guy who kind of started the Yankees on their legendary, you know, quest from 1996 to 2009. Uh, you know, when they just started winning. And he kind of started it off by when they were playing the Orioles, he caught, he interfered with one of the Orioles' balls or caught it, and or the Yankees, rather, and it became a home run. And one of the Orioles was complaining, you know, it's like the kid interfered, but the kid became a hero. And it propelled them to win the World Series. I mean, people... Give this kid credit. Now, that's the exact opposite of what that kid happened in Chicago who had to leave town. I don't remember his name. He should be grateful I don't remember that poor kid, but it's out there that his name and everything. Uh, When the Cubs were playing, I think the Marlins, and he did the opposite where he helped the Marlins, and oh boy, holy shit. Can Can you imagine being this kid in Chicago after the, oh my God. That's the kind of stuff that would happen to me. It would be a nightmare. Then I'd move to Florida and, like, work for that team and be like, nah, 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 just because I don't know how you could live life after that. But this Jeffrey Mayer kid, he started the Yankees in that direction. And um, I don't even remember what the hell I was talking about. <laughs> what does that have to do with Eileen Gonzalez? Um I don't know. He's, uh, oh, right, because now, right, when you look at that kid, Jeffrey, I mean, now it's fascinating because he was like nine, nine, if you listen to Howard Stern, and now he's like 25 and he plays baseball and he just looks different. It's so funny. So now this guy, Ilian Gonzalez, we all know when he was six, now he's 21. But I bring it up only because I've had some dealings with this. I had a, this, I was involved with this in 1999. I was a reporter for Maxim Magazine. And they set me up with a photographer who was way hot. And uh, she's like, oh, I'm going to be bringing my assistant with me. And I'm like, oh, all right. And she bought her assistant, which was a nice guy enough. And uh, I remember I had to buy all of us dinner because I was in charge of the operation. And then I realized they were dating. And she was scamming a meal for him. It was all right. They were really nice. Um, and they met while they were waiting outside Ilian, if I'm pronouncing this right, you know how bad I am with this, Ilian Gonzalez's house. That's how they met. She was a photographer. I guess they were both photographers for different papers. Um, and that's how they met. And then I met them right after that in 1999. And that's how um, that idiot uh, cockblocked me, Ilian Gonzalez. So I don't really care for that guy. How about that story? You didn't see that coming. How are you, people? How you, how you doing? They found, um, you know, this George Stephanopoulos stuff that's going on with Hillary Clinton and the donations he's made. Who cares? I mean, I get it. He's a reporter. He's supposed to remain biased. But every reporter is either a Democrat or Republican. 
we know George Stephanopoulos's views because he's a political guy. We know this. So who cares? ABC hired him knowing he's a big political guy. It's not like hiring Brian Williams where you know he's just a male model talking into the camera. We knew George Stephanopoulos's back history. He's a political guy. And if he's making donations into the Clinton Foundation, if you the Clinton Foundation, if you saw Clinton on Letterman and he explains what it does, it's pretty good good charity. They help people eat. So what the hell? Well, you know, it's the Republicans, I guess, but I don't care. What do I care? It's like Hillary Clinton. They're like, they found a second secret email address. Do we really think she's doing anything really horrible? I'm not saying she should win and she's president, but I mean, we all know she'd probably do a good, or at least she'd try. You have to wonder about some of these other guys and their agendas. I don't have a problem with hers. Who knows whether she'll be good or bad, but at least you hope she's trying. You hope, like her husband, who really cared. And like getting laid. <laughs> uh, one other thing before uh, before we go on to the sports section of the show. There is a Hasidic bus company that has been slammed. Are you ready for this? The Hasidic are the, the Jewish guys, you know, with the, the 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 hair that goes, the curly hair, you know, it's called payas, and the hats and the, 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 the winter coats they wear in the middle of summer. They've been slammed with a class action suit, lawsuit from female bus drivers who claim the firm refuses to hire women. Well, let me tell you something. I have one word for that. Duh! Are you kidding? Again, I say this all the time. I guess they're taking a shot. But I have a feeling they're 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 just dumb. If they were taking a, if they were very smart and they were just taking a shot at like a whole bunch of things and this was one of them, I would say that's brilliant. I don't think you're going to win this one. Do you realize that in uh, this has happened once before, and these guys gathered a thousand signatures in Lakewood, New Jersey, which is very Hasidic deal in Lakewood including the signatures of a whole bunch of rabbis on a petition demanding that this bus uh, called Monzi Trails segregate its commuter buses with a physical partition so they didn't have to sit next to the women. <laughs> Can't understand why they're not hiring women bus drivers. That's so, that's so weird. You know, we were uh, Orthodox Jews for a while. My mother made us go to an Orthodox temple for a while where my sister had to sit in the in the back like like the blacks in the 60s you believe this because that's the way they treat their women and I got to sit in the front you know closer to God it's pretty bad pretty bad those uh, ascetics the way they treat their women let alone that I've seen them trolling around for hookers I've seen it with my own eyes they cruise around in a van trolling for hookers if their wives aren't allowed to get married. I mean, they're just as bad as the uh, as ISIS and uh, their beliefs. It's it's uh, They're right here. They're right in Brooklyn. It's happening. They want to kill women that want to divorce them or, you know, do normal stuff. Jesus. They want to sue them for not hiring female bus drivers. Are you kidding? <laughs> but I like the plan. You might as well go for it all. That's what I'm always saying. Go for it all. That's my motto. 
And you know I love the city bikes. They're trying to expand the program. Everybody in the Upper West Side is complaining. They complain here, too, and then they get used to it. Everybody in the Upper West Side. I need it on the Upper West Side. I can't go to the Upper West Side. It stops at 59th Street. They're all complaining. But it's going to mess with our parking, which I was upset about, too, until I enjoyed the city bike. But you people shut up. I need that city bike up there. I need it. All right. Let's move on to some interesting stuff in the sports world. Don't turn off. And Jessica, if you're driving, you're awesome. Stay awake. <laughs> um, now, this is the best. Last night, uh, we'll start with this. Last night, or, uh, you know, I'm filming this on Wednesday. So Tuesday night was the NBA draft lottery which is just absolutely as hilarious as the old NFL draft used to be when they announced the, the Jets pick. In fact, let me give you, this is a montage of the Jets. Somebody was kind enough to make a montage. For years, the Jets would make the worst picks in draft history, and it was always held in New York, at Radio City, so it was full of Jets fans, and every time they'd announce somebody, it was always like, oh... Like a horrible groan, but it's also hilarious. So here's a montage of the worst draft picks in Jets history. Johnny Lamb Jones. Wide receiver, Texas. I think it's a good selection, but a very surprising one. UCLA running back, Freeman McNeil. <laughs> boo. As a season ticket holder of the Jets, I'm going to boo. Jets take the first-round selection, quarterback... No! Ken O'Brien of California Davis. <laughs> Everybody said if Marino was going to be around at that time, they take Marino. Obviously, the Jets know something that, you know, the people up here don't. Now, that's the funniest thing that there is. We took Ken O'Brien instead of Dan Marino or, are you ready, John Elway. Wow. It just gets better. New York Jets first round selection. Fullback. <laughs> Roger Vick, Texas a &M. They were already angry at fullback. New York Jets, first round choice. Jeff Lagerman, <laughs> linebacker, Virginia. <laughs> it's obvious to me right now that the Jets just don't understand what the draft's all about. <laughs> the New York Jets select Blair Thomas, running back, Penn State. <laughs> oh, great stuff. The New York Jets select Johnny Mitchell, tight end, Nebraska. I've never even heard of any of these people. So New York, New York becomes tight end, tight end. We want Seth, we want Seth, we want Seth. The New York Jets select tight end from Penn State, Kyle Brady. They were saying, we want Sap. We want, so they wanted Warren Sap. Who, uh, oh, I don't know. He won the Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And they chose Kyle Brady instead. And he did okay, but did not bring us any kind of Super Bowl. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Warren Sapp bought them the Super Bowl. Tampa Bay was all defense thanks to Warren Sapp, and he won them a Super Bowl. Yeah. It wasn't like a Tom Brady situation down there. I don't remember who the quarterback was, but, you know, he wasn't great. 
I'll remember his name after the podcast, of course. So that's hilarious, right? I mean, that is hilarious. The Jets suck. They suck all the time, every time. Now this season, kind of get it all together except for the stupid quarterback position again, but it's right there. How are they going to blow it this year? They always find a new way to blow it. Let's hope. Now, anyway, last night, Tuesday night, May 19th, 2015, they had the draft lottery. It's a bunch of ping pong balls and all this stuff. And when you finish last, uh, you get the most ping pong balls. So you get the choice of you're hoping to get the first round pick. And there's the top three or the bottom three, you might say. You're hoping for the first round pick, I believe. It was the Minnesota Timberwolves had the worst record. The Philadelphia 76ers had the second worst record. And the New York Knicks had the third worst record. So the Knicks are hoping maybe they'll get a chance where they can pick up the number one draft pick or move to even two. And uh, are you ready to laugh? (laughs) This is what happened last night. Pick number five goes to the Orlando Magic. This will be the Magic's fifth first-round pick since 2012. And the fourth pick in the 2015 NBA draft goes to the New York Knicks. Which means that the Los Angeles Lakers have moved into the top three. Oh, did you hear the, the groan? You know where it takes place? New York at a hotel here. Oh, they're devastated because the Knicks got way screwed. They should have at least been in the top three. They got screwed. Good. You got to love the groan. Everybody's sitting. And those are all professionals. Those aren't even fans. (laughs) They're like, oh. And that was the only team to get screwed. Everyone else went in exact order as expected except the Knicks. And the best part is the Lakers trumped them, moved to the number two spot, and who's our general manager now, Phil Jackson, the ex-Laker, whose girlfriend is with the Lakers. Man, everything's bad for the New York Knicks. That's classic. Fuck the Knicks. Fuck them hiring Derek Fisher. All the all well, everything we have, the, the coach, they're all from the Lakers. And then the Lakers trumped the Knicks. Oh, man, it's great stuff. You got to get rid of everybody there and get rid of the Dolans. The owners are horrible people. This is great. I hate that the Lakers are the number two, but it's a classic thing. I was upset. Uh, I think I've mentioned on before, my cousin owns the 76ers, so I was rooting for them to hopefully get the number one pick. And they got screwed by the Lakers as well, but they I think this is their third year in the row where they've been like the third pick. So they're building a team slowly but surely. But the Knicks messed up. Oh, I think I have... Um, I cut it out. Um, yeah. Here's the tweets from last night. Uh, oh, that's so great. Eric Stengel, actually. I, I just noticed it. He's one of the writers for Letterman uh, last night. He's a friend of mine. Uh, only these Knicks could lose on a night they're not playing. He's a great guy. Uh, one other guy. Great job beating the Magic and Hawks at the end of the season. Because they screwed up because they should have had the first pick. They should have had the most balls because they, they, they tanked the season, but they ended up winning their last couple of games and screwed themselves. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, Isaiah Thomas. Uh, remember, there's no such thing as a sure thing in the NBA draft, though it is pretty sure the number five pick will be a Hall of Famer. 
which is classic, that the people that pick after the Nets will be a Hall of Famer and the Knicks will get screwed. Did I say Nets or uh, the Knicks will get screwed? Uh, classic stuff. Isn't that fun? I, I, I taped it on purpose last night because um, it's just... Uh, I love that, that, that. It's such high drama, and yet to who? I mean, to many, many people, many rich people, but not to a lot of us who don't care about uh, basketball, but I love the high drama. Here's the last three. Three teams remaining. Byron Scott representing the Los Angeles Lakers. Their head coach last time they had the number one pick was 1982 when he took his teammate James Worthy. The 76ers, last time they had the number one pick, they had Allen Iverson in 1996. The Minnesota Timberwolves and owner Glenn Taylor looking for their first ever number one selection. So joining us once again to announce the order. You see how they set Final it up? three picks. Here is Drama. NBA Deputy Commissioner Mark Tatum. Mark? Thanks again, Mark. The third pick of the music. this year's draft goes to the Philadelphia 76ers. See, there's like a hush because they, they just realized the Lakers moved up to two and the Sixers kind of got screwed, and I was upset by that too, and I think my cousin was there, and he was probably upset. There's nothing you can do, but you got to love the high drama, the music. The second pick will be made by the Los Angeles Lakers. And that means that the number one pick in the 2015 NBA draft goes to the Minnesota Timberwolves. I think it's fascinating stuff. I love it. It's so stupid. But you gotta love the drama, the music. What? <laughs> it's so much better than a very boring NBA draft. Unless you're picking for the Jets in New York City, because that's good stuff. But I tell you, there's been some very good basketball. If you've been watching any of the playoffs, um, yeah, here's what happened. Um, the Rockets, the Clippers, were up three games to one. And the Rockets were on verge of elimination four different games. I think I got the math right. And here's what happened in game six. Howard Terry digging down to double. A lot of Rockets there. Griffin can't get it on the rim. He's back behind the play. It's five on four. It is Brewer, and we're tied at 102. Incredible. All even at 102. Houston for the lead. It is Brewer for three. And he hit it. Corey Brewer, the first lead of the second half for the Rockets. The noise in Staples Center is nervous noise. Jason Terry hit the shot. And Doc Rivers takes timeout. Unbelievable 29 to 10 fourth quarter by the Rockets. I mean, that's that's insane. And here's how they explain the comeback with that three an incredible 34 point swing in this one. Paul finally knocks one down and that will do it. One of the most stunning comebacks for a team facing elimination in the history of the NBA. Houston was out. They were on the mat. They were down 89 to 70. They went on a 49-18 run. Ouch. In the last 14 and a half minutes. Outscored the Clippers 40 to 15. And a game they will talk about for a long time in Houston. 119-107. The Rockets with one of the most improbable rallies. And there will be a seventh game. And it's one of those things, again, it's like when the Mets won the 1986 World Series, which was the greatest. 
They were down and out. Game six, they came back and over in the extra innings in a very improbable way. But we forget when Red Sox complain about that, when Red Sox fans, before they had won recently, they forget. There was a game seven. You had every opportunity to win the game seven. And so did the Clippers. They blew it. It's hard to come back after something like that. You're down and out. I mean, you've just been embarrassed. You know, on national television, it's usually hard to come back from that. But uh, the Clippers leave, and the Rockets, uh, they were amazing last night again, but the Warriors were able to withstand them. And let's look at our contest for the, uh, the chase for the Cow Cup. So, still... All right, are you ready? I mean, you got to be kidding me. Little Scotty Gornstein, Liza Minnelli's, Liza Minnelli's publicist, who will be here in two weeks, and he, at that time, he he might already be the champion. I I, I don't know. He's winning out of all of us. <laughs> How can that be? He's got 63 points. I'm in second place, 59. Our friend Kenny's at 57. Caitlin's tied at 57. And uh, John Vitti from the Boston Globes at 55. Our friend David Schechter, 55 also. Our friend Mary at 53. And then uh, Alan Klein's husband at 39, but he doesn't know anything. And Irene with her magic pendulum, 39. She's pissed because she says she knows about basketball. Scotty knows nothing. He's at 63. You got to love it. You got to love it. And let me tell you something. It's so funny what, looking at his picks. I'm looking at them now. He got all four hockey games in the last round correct. He got the Lightning, the Rangers, the Ducks, and the Blackhawks. I remember, I don't even think he knew hockey plays now. But he also guessed the Lightning in six and the Ducks in five. So he gets extra points for that. That's the way my contest works. <laughs> he guessed the Warriors in six. I mean, it's, he's amazing. But I did really good, too. Me and Kenny and David Schechter all guessed the Caps to beat the Rangers. We were so close. We just took a chance, I guess. But everybody else picked the Rangers. You know, I picked the Rangers in this one, but you know I'm rooting against them. They're playing right now. I don't know what the score is, but I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm a Devils fan. What do you want me to say? But I picked them. I picked them because I think I think they will beat the Lightning, and then I think they'll have trouble with Anaheim or Blackhawks. But there's really no reason they just can't win at all. I mean, Jesus, that Rangers Capitals game is an instant classic. The series, every game two to one, wow. And last night, uh, the Blackhawks played Anaheim three overtimes. Couldn't stay up any longer. Did the best I could. I mean, I could have, but. Um, I don't who who knew how long you know because then it's like well wait should I stay up and watch but what if it goes to four overtimes then I'm like well why did I stay up that extra hour but well, what am I doing good evening everybody welcome to the show now uh, about a week ago American Idol. I didn't even know this. I used to be a huge American Idol fan. 
American Idol apparently announced its winner. I didn't see one thing in the news. I didn't see one thing in the paper. Not anything. No one cares anymore. It didn't even do very well in the ratings. I'm looking at it. It was like number 18, and that's where they announced the final. The Billboard Music Awards was the number one show of the week, and yet it only got a 3.8 rating. I mean, that sucks. But I don't even know why it was number one. I don't know. Well, you know. You want to see Taylor Swift win a couple of awards, am I right? I'm sure it was Dancing with the Stars. I don't think, I don't know if that was the finale or not, but uh, yeah, American Idol, 18. That's not even good. I mean, that should have been number one. They're announcing the winner. That's why they're canceling the show, which is weird, actually, if you think about it. It's still 18, but it hasn't been on like the top 25 in a long time. So here's what happened last week. The winner of American Idol season 14 is Nick Fradiani. Who? Nick Fradiani? Oh, he's good. Which means Brock Beckham is a Nick Fradiani? Who? I mean, I heard nothing. Did any of you guys hear anything even leading up to that? It's between Nick Fradiani and some other guy. I didn't hear a damn thing this year. Wow. Remember how popular it used to be? At least you used to, if you didn't watch it, you used to hear about the radio. You used to hear, who's it going to be? Is it going to be you know, Clay Aiken or uh, the big fat guy, you know, Ruben or... You know, even I played that Taylor Hicks thing. We knew. Everybody, I wasn't watching it then. I knew Taylor Hicks had won. I saw it in the paper, heard it on TV, the radio. Wow, nothing. It's messed up. What a horrible show. I was so bored by that. I, I gave up. I gave up mostly. I gave it another try with Steven Tyler because Steven Tyler's the man. And I was like, all right, that'll be cool. But J-Lo, she sucks. She's horrible. And she's getting paid a million dollars. And when they ask her, well, uh, what's your opinion of who's going to win? And she goes, I can't make a decision. I know she doesn't talk like that, but it's extra funny. I can't make a decision because I don't know. No, I don't know what the story is going to be. That's her job. She's a judge. She's supposed to make a decision. That's her job. That's what she's getting paid. Oh, I don't know. Oh, it makes me so angry. You get paid that much money and you can't do your job? Oh, my God. It's like kind of, if you think of baseball players, they only do their job one-third of the time. <laughs> All of us, if we were regular, we'd get fired. They only hit the ball one-third of the time. That means they're only doing their job one-third of the time. They don't even do their job on a daily basis correctly. <laughs> and yet they made about may make about $40 million. Now, how is that fair? Uh, oh, so anyway, this kid that Nick Fradiani said he wins. As soon as he wins, breaks up with his girlfriend. His girlfriend bought him the show. She auditioned last year. She bought him in. She's like, apparently there's footage of her like helping him, like win. As soon as he wins, it's over. <laughs> what a dick. <laughs> it's a classic move. Oh, no, we, we were going to break up beforehand. Right. Oh, boy. Well, I couldn't break up with her 
during, he wouldn't have gotten the vote. You know who does something like that? I think you know. Sandy! Teddy? What are you, what are you doing here? I, I, I thought you were going back to Australia. We had a change of plan. <laughs> well, that's cool, baby. I mean, you know how it is. Rocking and rolling and whatnot. Danny? <laughs> that's my name. Don't wear it out. What's the matter with you? <laughs> What's the matter with me, baby? What's the matter with you? <laughs> this happened backstage. This is, a, this is footage from backstage at American Idol. That, that was Nick Franiani, and he was uh, saying that to his girlfriend as soon as he went back. You know, rocking, rolling. <laughs> I know I play it every week. I can't get enough of it. What's the matter with me? It's just as bad as, as, bad as this. I'm going crazy. Unless you hear him too. Because in that case, alert the media, we've got the world's first talking dog. I thought I was the world's first talking. Oh. oh. What's the matter with me? Speaking of TV shows, this week, last week we went through uh, some of the NBC stuff, I believe. Was it NBC? Anyway, this week we're doing ABC. These are some of the upfronts, the new shows. Because you know I like talking about it because of uh, this scene. Hi, Hi, Scott. Hi, Scott. Hey, Scott. How are you? Good. How you doing? Good. What do you got for me? Okay. Here it is. The Graduate, part two. Oh, good. <laughs> My favorite part is actually, it says The Graduate, part two. And they go, oh, good. Dr. Ken. It's a new sitcom. Dr. Ken is a brilliant physician with no bedside manner. House. He's always trying to be a good doctor as well as a good husband and dad to his two kids. However, these good intentions have a way of driving everyone crazy at both work and home. Luckily, his therapist, wife Allison, is just the right partner to keep things sane. How are you? On A, B, C. But it's with that kid, uh, Ken Jeong, from uh, The Hangover and something else. Um, So... He's funny. Good work. It's just, they all sound stupid when you read the descriptions. The Muppets. ABC's taking another chance with the Muppets. This actually, now listen. I love the Muppets. I'm going to watch. The Muppets return to primetime with a contemporary documentary style show that for the first time ever will explore the Muppets' personal lives and relationships, both at home and at work, as well as romances, breakups, achievements, disappointments, wants and desire. A more adult Muppet show for kids of all ages. Well, I'm probably in. Who am I kidding? I'm an idiot. I'm watching shows about talking dogs. You don't think I'm going to watch The Muppets in a documentary? <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's going to be funny. <clears throat> They're giving Martha Plimpton another try. They love giving this woman series. You know, she, she was on that show Raising Hope, which I don't think anyone saw on Fox. That lasted four seasons. I didn't know that. I've known her for a couple of years. Yeah, they seem better heads on a mug of beer. A contemporary take on a seemingly perfect Catholic family whose lives take an unexpected turn when surprising truths are revealed. Instead of ruining their family, the honesty triggers a new messier chapter where everyone stops pretending to be perfect and actually starts being real. How are you? They tried that Catholic family thing with uh, the McCarthys. Didn't work. And I believe I've said on this show, I had a cooking show back many years ago that was produced and directed and written by the great Bill Persky, who used to write the Dick Van Dyke show. So he was a hero of mine. He created That Girl. 
many other shows. Uh, shows uh, one uh, thing called Mary Dick was it Dick Van Dyke and the other woman it was called, and it was basically a variety show for Dick Van Dyke and Mary Tyler Moore. And you know who's in it? Michael Keaton. Yeah, and and I think David Letterman. Yeah, so this guy was pretty good at getting talent. You know, he knew I was a, a big score for him. Me, Keaton, Letterman, you know, made sense, made sense. And uh, so this guy would tell us, this guy, Bill Persky, had one story after the next, and it was always classic because it was always not his fault. It's the network's fault. And it's, I have multiple stories of people telling me that, and now, of course, I tell these stories because, um, you know, they're great. They heard at the time, but years later you realize how funny they are. So he said, Bill Persky said, I had this, NBC came up to me. They said, we want a show Sunday nights at 8 o'clock. Now, I, think, I believe I've told this story on the podcast. We want a show from you sun, that we can air Sunday nights at 8 o'clock. And he said, okay, I got the perfect show. It's called Family Dinner. We're going to air it Sunday nights at 8 o'clock. And it's going to be about a Catholic family that comes home after church every Sunday and talks about their problems and surprising truths are revealed. That's exactly what I just read from the real O'Neill's. It's exactly Bill Persky's idea from the 70s. Family dinner. Sunday's at 8 o'clock. Family dinner. Unfortunately, they aired it Tuesdays at 9 and the show instantly got canceled. Now that's Bill Persky's fault? Tuesday's at 9. <laughs> well, I think Tuesdays at night, I, I don't think I could compete against Three's Company. So there it is. So this show's already been done a hundred times, and it's never worked. So we'll see. And I'm not sure what kind of television star Martha Plimpton is. Thank you, folks. Now they're going to do a Black Uncle Buck with Mike Epps from the movie. I might be okay with that. I mean, I love Uncle Buck. Mike Epps is okay. I guess we'll see. Here are the dramas. The Catch. Thriller centered on the strong, successful Alice Martin. She's a fraud investigator who's about to be the victim of fraud by her fiancé. Between her case, she's determined to find him for blah, 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 blah. Boring. Sounds like... Uh, what's the one before? Madam? The Good Wife. But you know what? This girl, Muriel Enos... She's married to Alan Ruck. Do you know that guy? That guy was in uh, uh, the one with Matthew Broderick. What? What's the matter with me? You know, Ferris Bueller. He's the kid in Ferris Bueller, Cameron. That's who she married. She married Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Well, well done. <laughs> Continue ABC of Kings and Prophets, an epic biblical saga of faith, ambition, and betrayal as told through the eyes of a battle-weary king. If it's biblical stuff, they're obviously going after NBC's AD. Smart move. I guess. It's going to suck. Or they're going against uh, Game of Thrones. In that sense, maybe a smart move. Network version of Game of Thrones? The Family. Thriller follows the return of a politician's young son who was presumed dead after disappearing over a decade earlier. As the mysterious young man is welcome back into his family, suspicions emerge. Is he really who he says he is? Blah, blah, blah. It's like Joan Allen. Oh, she's delightful. 
one of the most boring actresses of our time. And uh, Andrew McCarthy, well, he's good, also boring. But I like that he directs The Blacklist because his buddy James Spader is in it. Andrew, I need you to come and direct me in The Blacklist. You're the only one that understands me. Lizzie, I don't mind telling you I was once in Bora Bora. I drank a liquid which I thought was going to be a coconut. I can't continue. Uh, this is this is boring. I'm getting bored. Wicked City. Each season, Wicked City will follow. Oh, God, I'm bored. But you know what? Oh, here's the thing. ABC is bringing back all the Gossip Girl people. There's an uh, untitled project, which now is titled uh, about, I think it's called Oil. Chase Crawford. I was wondering what happened to that guy. He might be the most handsome man I've ever seen in Gossip Girl. Where's he been? Why wouldn't he be on television? And then Wicked City stars uh, Ed Westwick from Gossip Girl. So ABC's going all Gossip Girl all the time with some really shitty dramas that I'm pretty sure I won't be watching. So I'll just tell you this when they pitch those shows. I'm Greg Pounstuck. Hey, Greg. How are you? Good. How you doing? Good. What do you got for me? Okay. Here it is. The Graduate, Part 2. Oh, good. So, that's that. Oh, I'm just continuing a little bit more. We're almost finished. But, uh, you know, I thought I might go long today because what am I doing? Ready for this? In the movies this week... Mad Max Fury Road came out. Mad Max, a new remake of Mad Max. That's all they do now, remakes. No Mel Gibson, thank goodness. I think Charlize Theron, though, but she shaved her head. I don't like that look. Anyway, Mad Max, big movie. $45 million. Remember um, last week, uh, the Avengers beat the shit out of Hot Pursuit, which is the Reese Witherspoon, Sofia Vagara. One, but here's the best part. Mad Max, right? Everybody's like, Mad Max. Uh, I've seen photos on Facebook. Oh, Mad Max, Mad Max. $45 million. The guy says, box office, oh, I, I was down on 12th Street yesterday. I saw a line around the box office. Mad Max. Well, Pitch Perfect 2 beat the shit out of it. It beat the shit out of it. Pitch Perfect 2 beat Mad Max. Pitch Perfect 2 made $70 million. Mad Max made 45 Beat the crap out of it. How do you like that? Pitch Perfect 2. Who saw that coming? Not I. Sarah's boyfriend, far from the maddening crowd. Tenth place. Made $2 million so far. It's been out three weeks. <laughs> I don't think anybody expected anything there. Oh, and here's something uh, funny. Uh, when they were talking about the cancellations at the upfronts last week, uh, this one, one of them, there's a show called Members Only with John Stamos. They picked it up immediately. They said, let's go. 12, 12 episodes. Let's do it. And then they uh, canceled it anyway. <laughs> like they just said, you know, we changed our mind. And that guy probably should be on television. I mean, he is. He clearly made a deal with the devil. Gets the more he, older he gets, the more handsome he is. But he's got a plan. Because he's going to do uh, a full house spinoff. That's what everybody's talking about. Uh on Netflix you believe that I think it's going to be called Fuller House and uh, I think everybody's in except the twins haven't been asked apparently but um, here's some the show starts with Tanner now named Tanner Fuller get it Fuller 
Tanner. Oh, DJ Tanner, I guess. Um, oh, Fuller House. Ha, ha that's why I know Fuller. Huh? Pregnant, recently widowed, and living in San Francisco. Oh, so they're just... Oh, maybe it's... Why would they widow? Is that what you, the way you want to go again? Her younger sister, Stephanie, now an aspiring musician and co-core. I made that up myself because that's what she is in real life. And her lifelong best friend and f- fellow single mom, Kimmy. Everybody loves Kimmy Gibbler. Move it. Selena, what did I tell you? Just give me two more seconds. Move in to help her care for her two boys and the new baby. So that's the uh, fans were over the moon at the news. Well... I don't know about over the moon, but can't deny I uh, was in it too. This is one thing I have been waiting to tell you for so many years. It's so funny. Stop it. Um, she's playing with the headphone thing again. I can't stop her. I can't stop her. She's crazy. She's so fat and stubborn. Get off. Crazy cat. Um, there's a picture that I have, and I don't know how to get it to you people, but you could look it up online maybe. With John Stamos, okay, you ready? There's a picture with John Stamos standing outside the full house, actual house, that I guess they must have a thing in San Francisco where you can take a picture with it. There's four people taking a picture of the house, and John Stamos is standing outside in front of it with a hat and glasses, and nobody recognizes him. They're so involved, engrossed in the house. I've been waiting to talk about it for for months. I don't know why. I probably got the time because we're going long today. Normally, who would care? There's one other thing I want to talk about today. Now I'm just, you know, because I, I, I got time before we wrap up here. Oh, um, a couple other things. As long as, what the hell, right? Game of Thrones obviously kicked ass, right? What'd I say? Talking to Selena. Game of Thrones kicked ass in the ratings on Sunday. This is Sunday. Now remember, this is the last episode of Mad Men. Now, two Sundays ago, Man Man doesn't do very well. It came in, I'm just reading that, 16th place. This is on cable on Sunday. Came in beyond, behind Real Housewives of Atlanta, behind the NBA playoffs, behind the NHL semifinals, behind the Cleveland show, behind the family guy. Mad Men, two weeks ago. Last week, the season finale where they said, oh, it did really well. It did better. But it still came in behind keeping up with the Kardashians. What? The last episode of Mad Men, behind keeping up the Kardashians. And let me tell you, keeping up with the Kardashians, so brilliant. They're just putting all Bruce Jenner into it. It's so funny. For so long, for how many years that show's been on the air, nobody cared about Bruce Jenner. Now it's all Bruce Jenner. I still say he's a selfish prick, but Sarah disagrees. I'm sorry. I'm just... The way I feel, I don't know the guy. I just find it all very, a little self-serving. Plus, you know, nobody's talking about the guy uh, that, that when he murdered those people in his car. Hello, we're not discussing that because he's got so much in his mind. He should not be driving. He's got too much going on. His penis is about to be cut off. If I'm thinking about this while I'm driving on this 14-hour drive, I, I think I'd be a little uptight. Oh my God, I've made a horrible mistake. My penis is getting cut off, but I'm going to drive the next 10 hours completely normally. You know what I'm saying? The last thing I wanted to talk about today is uh, they're making a new Bond movie. You know I love James Bond. 
They're making a Bond movie called Spectre. And they were filming it in London last week on the Thames. And what most of us know about the Thames is just that's how they would end every Benny Hill show. The Thames, TV, <laughs> I think. So people were complaining because there was noises. There was helicopter noise. There was, there was noise outside, you know, London, whatever. They're filming a James Bond movie. Awesome! Because let me tell you something. They film on my block every week. I live on the block where the poster of the Woody Allen movie Manhattan is. So people love filming on my block. You know what they film? They film elementary. They film person of interest. And they film several movies. They film here all the time. And do I hate it? You're damn right I do. Takes away parking. Takes away a bunch of other stuff. But do you think I'd be mad if they're filming a James Bond movie here? I'm just... I wrote an article about... I'm, I just want to see the scripts I don't mind if they're filming something awesome here I like the show elementary so I'm up for them filming that here but if they're going to film a bag of crap here that I don't really care for then that's what I don't like were you really going to complain they're filming the next James Bond movie near your house you're going to complain because they're going to be a little noisy for a day it's James Bond hello your neighborhood's going to be epic forever. I'm glad they're filming in London. I think they forget sometimes that he works in London. They always want to film in exotic locations. I say you stick with London. Super fun times. James Bond. Daniel Craig rules. I remember they were filming the movie... Oh, what was it? With Will Smith, and I was furious. That horrible movie. I, not iRobot. What, what was the one he was the last person on Earth? It was It was horrible. They were filming that here. Ugh. I was furious. Mostly because they had the catering truck right outside my house, and they wouldn't give me any pancakes. I even showed them my SAG card. I got nothing. That's all I asked for. I mean, if they're going to film on my block, at least give me a free, you know, um, you know, craft service table, like breakfast or something. The cart's right outside my apartment. A lot of film times they film on 55th Street. They film um, Curb Your Enthusiasm. He was there's one building where uh, Gossip Girls live and Larry David lived. Nobody cares because uh, that's awesome. I mean, for most people, we're going to be angry if Dog with a Blog is going to be filmed there, but not you know. For me, I'm going to be like, hello. Am I going to be mad when Dr. Ken fills there? Maybe. Yeah, we'll see. Anyway, folks, listen. I guess I'm going to be off for... Uh, this will be the only show you have until uh, the Tony Awards special, which nobody cares about, so technically we got two weeks off, but I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> Hopefully you'll like it. Hopefully you'll make it interesting for all that nobody cares about the Tonys. I wonder if Liza would come in. I mean, come on. You might not care about Liza Minnelli. You may not care about theater, but if Liza Minnelli's on this show, I mean, come on. Come on. That's good stuff. My friend Max wants me to film at this uh, bar called Sessions soon. That's probably not the proper show to do it. We're talking about the Tony Awards because it's a sports bar. But after that, maybe we will film there. And uh, I don't know. Dave Jesko, I hope you're having a good drive. And uh, everybody else, you have a great Memorial Day. It's, the weather should be perfect. Everything should be great. I got to be at the track. 
on May 30th at Monmouth Park for a, a special event there. And I guess we'll see each other in June of 2015. Everybody have a great holiday and a great start to your summer. This is Dave Jeskow signing off. We'll see you next season.